Hello everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. It's been a while, I've had um, some computer problems, so if you've been checking on my Instagram, I was meant to get back into recording last week, but I opened up my laptop and the screen was broken, so one of my twins, um, or both of them, I don't know is yeah don't know don't know what's happened there um but I was out of action I'm back now um we should be back to twice weekly episodes after this week so this episode will go live on Saturday my twins are like screaming in their bedroom um and yeah from next week will be Wednesdays and Saturdays so yeah, it's good to be back. Good to be back in the swing of things. Um, life's about to get hectic. I've actually just applied for a postgrad diploma in early childhood. So I'll be juggling, you know, parenting three kids, the podcast and full-time study for a year. So life is going to be a bit crazy around here. Okay. Um, so today we're talking to Riley, just a bit of a trigger warning. This episode talks about baby loss, um, infant loss. So Riley had twin girls at 33 weeks and unfortunately um, when they were born one of her twins Hazel um, had a brain injury and she she passed away at four days old so really really awful Um, so huge props to Riley for you know being willing to to still talk to us um with everything that went on so yeah I'll let her you know go into it her twin A is doing well um but yeah obviously a lot to navigate there so I will let her share her story if you are not in the right space to be listening to this totally fine maybe give this one a miss um but otherwise let's get into it um so I'm Riley and I got pregnant at 19 with identical twins um I currently have a nearly seven uh, eight month old and I lost my other twin at four days old due to lack of proper health care oh my god I'm so sorry for your loss I can't I can't even imagine what you had to go through it was horrible and yeah just want to really make awareness to other females of pushing for help and if something's not right just keep pushing because yeah that's something I didn't do because I didn't know any different being my first pregnancy and the healthcare system failed me massively and yeah yeah it's left me very traumatized now and yeah just wasn't cool like I say I'm so sorry for your loss like losing a child and then also having to go through yeah with your other twin yes yeah very hard do you want to go back to the beginning of um of your pregnancy obviously you were very young yes very young it was it wasn't planned but (laughs) we didn't do anything to prevent it yeah I was actually told that I could potentially have endometriosis Mm -hmm. and I was also told by one of my doctors to you know start preparing you might need to do IVF right and so I thought I'm never going to have kids naturally so I went off uh, birth control I had a marina that actually dropped out of my uterus and got lost in me so I was like 
no, nah, I'm done with birth control. And then four months later, I found out I was pregnant and I found out at two weeks. So it was a very, <laughs> very long pregnancy. Um, but yeah, I went for my first scan at six weeks just for a dating scan. And there was only one baby that we could see. Right. We're like, cool, yep. And then by the 12-week scan, the um, ultrasound place that we go to, my auntie owns. Right, right. And she goes to me, oh, was there one baby or two babies last time? And I thought, oh, you're just trying to be funny, like my auntie. And I was like, not funny. There was one baby. She goes, there's two. And I was like, (laughs) and me and my mum just sat there crying. And my partner's sitting there speechless. We did not know what to think. And my father-in-law actually predicted we'd have twins because I'm a twin. Right. Are you an identical twin? What was that? Are you an identical twin? No, I'm an IVF twin. Right. So it's not, I'm not really meant to have twins myself, mm-hmm. but my girls were monodi, so my egg split. Yeah. But yeah, by 12 weeks, there was two and nobody believed us at first. They thought we were faking the um, ultrasound pictures. <laughs> But yeah, it was very scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, I can't have kids. And the universe is like, it's two. Yeah. And because up until that scan, I was buying like one cot, one capsule, one everything. Yeah. So the 12 week scan, I'm like, shit, I'm going to go and buy one of everything again. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, scary time. And I wasn't working either. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had lost my job. And then I had to find a job at 12 weeks pregnant. And then the day I started working, I found out it was twins. Uh-huh. But luckily, I wasn't that big, so you couldn't really tell I was pregnant. Yeah, which was yeah, good. Obviously, as well being mono die, um, mm. a higher risk pregnancy. Yeah. So did you go through the hospital? You know, quite early and. Yeah. So after the twelve week scan, I got put through to an obstetrician, and I was having you know, fortnightly, monthly scans. And then, yeah, I went into early labor at 22 weeks. Oh, my gosh. So we had to rush down to Wellington because they couldn't do the procedure here. And I got sent to have a surclage put in. Yeah. So I had that done. And that was just to, you know, keep the girls in there as long as I could. And then, yeah, I was on bed rest, had to quit my job, wasn't allowed to do anything too extreme. I had to have um, progesterone tablets or suppositories and, yeah, just to do everything I can to keep them in and, yeah. Up until the 22 weeks when you went into early labour, there was no issues or anything? No, I just had really, really bad um, morning sickness or Mm -hmm. all-day sickness and, I had the odd pain here and there and I kept making it aware to my midwife and she just said, just rest. And then that week I went into labor. Yeah. So I was yeah very much dismissed by the healthcare system. Right. Did you, um, when you went into the hospital to, you know, get the stitch put in, you were obviously in labor. Did you express to them that you felt that you had been dismissed or was it kind of just you weren't Mm. worried about that at the time I wasn't really too worried because it was actually the sonographer that picked up on it it wasn't the obstetrician or anything and I had a backup 
midwife dealing with me then and she was amazing and yeah that's when they made the call you got to get to Wellington you know the next pain you get is going to be a contraction you may you know give birth but yeah we had to get ourselves to Wellington and then we sat there for what six seven hours waiting for the surgery and I'm thinking well if I go into like full-blown labor then yeah and obviously 22 weeks they're probably not gonna I have seen a 22-weeker, but mm. it's very not very viable. Yeah, it's very uncommon for them to help a 22-weeker. Yeah. yeah. What What happened after you got the circlage in, and you obviously were on bed rest and everything? Was there like a goal that they wanted to get you to in terms of gestation? They wanted to um, do a C-section four weeks early, so I had like a booked due date kind of thing um and yeah that was just the goal but I was in constant agony like pain I would not sleep at all I was on the floor crying most nights I just could not do anything and the week that I gave birth I was in and out of hospital seven times that week just saying I'm in pain and I was having um liquids come out of me and because I don't know any different and I kept, you know, raising my concerns and they said, oh, it's either pee or discharge. Mm. And then we soon found out it wasn't pee or discharge. My waters had broken a week prior, which caused an infection, yeah. which I then passed on to the twins. Yeah. 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 Had any, like no one offered to do the, in, the test, you know, the feeble fibronectin test, nothing? They didn't nothing. You? Anything? Nothing at all. The only thing I got was... I was anemic yeah so I had the drip put in and that was it everyone just said oh your pain is because you're growing twins you're bound to be in pain but I couldn't get out of bed I was crying all day all night nothing would help but they just put it down to being muscle pains that's horrific like you had been in early labor don't you think that's something they should have been monitoring Mm. they had done a scan they would have seen that you had no fluid around the baby yeah yeah exactly but yeah anytime I tried to get in contact with my midwife no answer I'd ring a few times nothing I wouldn't even get transferred to the backup midwife Mm. um and even one time I did get put through to the backup and I said look I'm in a lot of pain I was sitting crying on the phone to her she goes oh it might be a bladder infection but didn't actually you know do a test or anything to see if it was said she'd do a script for this so-called bladder infection, never did the script and I never had a bladder infection. I was going into labor. Oh, frustrating. Like just one follow-up question, where's the pain? Is the constant, is the pain coming and going? And they would have been like, shit, that sounds like labor. Yeah. Maybe we should look into this. Yeah, but I I only saw my midwife a total of three times in 33 weeks. Oh my God, that's horrific. And she constantly bailed on me. She was not there for me at all. That is so frustrating. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Like it's your first pregnancy, you're young, mm-hmm. it's a high risk pregnancy. You've just been in early labor. Yeah. At a non-viable yeah. stage of your pregnancy. You need support. Did you have any support from the obstetricians? No. It was only my family who was there for me and the team down in Wellington. That was it. I had nobody else. And how far are you from Wellington? 
I'm about an hour and a half from Wellington. Not even like you could just pop over to the hospital. Mm. Like, but- and I had to do fortnightly scans over there as well because they couldn't do what Wellington could do in Marston. Yeah. So it was like I didn't mind the travelling so much because I knew that the team down there were friggin' amazing. Yeah, but, but in an emergency situation, it's yeah, it's a they trip. Are, they are so good down there. Can't fault them at all, but I'd have one scan here next week. I'd be over the hill and it was just continuous scans and, yeah. That must have been incredibly stressful. What happens when you finally, you know, like when they finally were like, oh, shit, you are in labour? So it was the 17th of June and I was in agony. I got up at about three in the morning to go toilet and I noticed all this, like, discharge kind of stuff. And I thought, again, I don't know what this is, Mm. but I always felt like I couldn't ring my midwife. because I didn't feel supported by her and I just went back to bed went back to the toilet about eight nine in the morning and it was just everywhere bring my midwife no answer and I'm just like what do I do yeah she finally rings me back and I said look I've got like this discharge coming out I don't know what it is and she goes I think it's your mucus plug go to the hospital but I can't come and so I get my partner on. Like, well, literally have- your job. Exactly. And because she doesn't live in this town either, she's got to travel, yeah. which made it harder. But yeah, I said to my partner, like, you got to take me to the hospital. And I had to have like a internal scan and swabs by a different obstetrician. And he said, no, we need to rush you to Wellington. And I'm thinking, what the hell is happening? And we said, like, how do we go about getting to Wellington? Like, do we drive? Do we go on an ambulance? Because it was this big emergency. Mm. And he's like, no, it's so serious. You have to take the plane. Oh, God. And so my partner rushed home, packed the bags and whatnot. I sat there for about seven hours waiting for the plane when I could have driven there. Yeah, I could have driven there and back probably twice in that time. Yeah. And then there was like this big drama because I couldn't fly without a midwife Yeah, because I was in the early stages of labor again and my midwife wouldn't come with me. So we had to try and find a midwife in this area who would fly to Wellington late at night and then drive back straight after. Mm. So we found one midwife. She was so good to me. And we finally flew to Wellington about seven, eight at night landed there, got taken to hospital, and they said, right, we're just going to monitor you overnight. If it's all good in the morning, we'll send you home. And so my in-laws came over and checked on me, and they thought, right, nothing's happening, we're going home. And then my partner left to go stay at the motel. So I was like, sweet as. And then I had this team of doctors come in, they started doing a scan, and they all disappeared. Mm -hmm. Didn't say anything, so I thought, you know, that's cool. And then all of a sudden, all these doctors, nurses, everything rush in and just start stripping me naked in my bed. And this midwife came up to me and said, you need to ring your partner. Twin B is dead. Her exact words. And I'm sitting there crying on the phone, but I didn't want to tell my partner on the phone. So he ran over. And as I'm being wheeled to theatre, he's just come in and he wasn't aware of what I was told 
And they said to him, chuck some scrubs on, you'll go into theatre with her. So he put his scrubs on. He was left in the hospital room for about two hours, no updates, nothing. And when I got to theatre, I was put to sleep. And then everything is a bit of a blur from then. But I woke up in recovery and the same midwife who came up to me and said, your baby's dead, goes, oh, you've got two lovely, beautiful babies there in NICU. told me my baby died yeah my first thought is is my daughter alive or is she not Mm -hmm. and then it's we're going to take you through to NICU to meet your daughters and so we go in and they're connected to all the wires and machines and didn't think really anything of it just thought it was because they were born early needed a bit of help and twin A which is Sienna who's here now she came out not breathing and she was very pale, wasn't really moving. It took her a minute to be revived. And then my other daughter came out like a minute later. It took her 25 minutes to have her first breath. So they said lack of oxygen to the brain. She might be a bit different. You know, it's going to be a bit tricky for us. She might have a bit of brain damage. And we're like, okay, we'll just do what we have to do. Like, and like then it was hours ago you told me she was dead so I yeah. would take brain damage. yeah I'll take anything as long as she's alive yeah exactly and then um they were kind of getting our hopes up a little bit yeah they're like she's got brain damage like you know it's gonna be okay she's gonna be a bit different and they put her on the ice packs to try to get the brain activity going and then it came to the 21st of June and all these doctors came into my room and said she's not going to make it through the night she's brain dead her organs are shutting down if she makes it through the night we have to call it tomorrow and so we had to ring all of our family in town and say you've all got to get here first thing in the morning and yeah so all my family came over and we were quite lucky because we had photographers in. We got to do the hands and the feet into molds and all that stuff. And yeah, we got our own little room to hold her and say goodbye. And then we had to say, yeah, we're ready for her to come off the machines, which sucked. Yeah. And then yeah, straight, up, straight after we had to bring her back to town because we wanted her to be home with us for a night and we wanted our great-grandparents to meet her and all that. Mm. And then, yeah, the next day we had a little funeral kind of thing with just our immediate family. And then, yeah, she was cremated, which I think was definitely the hardest part because when she was in hospital, she never moved. She never opened her eyes, nothing. But it's the handing her over to the funeral director, just knowing what goes on behind those doors was just horrible. Yeah. But it's all due to failed healthcare system. So when when they came and told you that she had died when you were still pregnant. Yeah. Is that as a result of the infection? Obviously Sienna was a bit unwell as well, right? So was it as a result of the infection you got because your waters had had broken yeah so my waters broke a week prior which was what the pain was yeah so then I then passed on an infection to the twins and twin b which is hazel who passed 
she actually had a blood clot in her umbilical cord. Right. And that was picked up a week prior to giving birth. But my obstetrician said, nah, you'll be right. And that is the result of her death. The blood they, clot is the cause of her death. They said it was like a snorkel. If you cover the top of a snorkel and you can't breathe, that's what it was like for her. And she suffered. That's horrific. That's and I, horrific. Like you think an adult has a blood clot in their leg, right? Mm. And they're like, oh my God, like you need medication. You need to be monitored. You need but a baby with a blood clot in the umbilical cord. Nah, all good. Yeah. It's only her lifeline. Yeah. My obstetrician said, nah, you'll be right till next week, till your next scan. Well, I never made it to next week. And then because of that, the girls ended up getting twin to twin transfusion. So Hazel passed all the blood on to Sienna to keep her alive. So Hazel saved Sienna's life. But it was all due to failed healthcare. That is absolutely horrific. I'm again, I'm so, so sorry you had to go through that. Like, you know, the risks of them not doing anything was Mm. not worth it. You lost your daughter. Yeah. You know, like them being like, oh, it's just a procedure. Like, it's no big deal. It was your daughter's life. Yeah. That was the result of that. And I'm so grateful that you did have Sienna and she's Mm. here and she's well, but absolutely horrific that you had to lose Hazel in the process. I cannot, I cannot even imagine having to do that. Yeah. How was it? Obviously, you were you are a twin mum how was it navigating the fact that you didn't have twins here together because I know a lot of twin mums who lose a twin feel like they're no longer a twin mum yeah how did it feel for you well I still you know I still talk as if she's here like she's in our house she does play tricks on us she'll flicker lights and she's in Sienna's room all the time Sienna's always just laughing at the corners of the wall and apparently that means she's here but you know if we go to the beach or something for a holiday we always take Hazel with us she's just always included in everything and we do monthly photos of Sienna and Hazel's always in the photos with her urn and I still act as if she's kind of round but I think the hardest part of your life she's always going to be a part of your life and she's always going to be a part of her sister's life and yeah and is always going to be a twin yeah there's photos around everywhere of her like sienna's gonna grow up knowing who her sister was but yeah i think the hardest part was knowing that coming back home i had set up a nursery with two cots and two sets of drawers and all that so before i got home i said to my mum, please just get rid of it i don't want to see it but now my mum has Hazel's cot at her house for Sienna to sleep in. So, yeah. And Sienna, how was she? Obviously, she was a little bit unwell after birth, but how was she after that? She was only in NICU just over two weeks and she just needed, you know, a bit of help breathing. She needed caffeine, all that kind of stuff. But she was pretty okay and yeah she didn't stay for very long and she got transferred to Marston Hospital we were there for about three and a half weeks yeah but yeah Niku was amazing just the one-on-one care and all the nurses get to know who you are like yeah yeah we're not just another set of parents to them they get to know you and take the time to talk to you and 
see if you have any questions and things like that. But going from Niku in a big hospital to Skibu in a little hospital, like that was probably one of my biggest regrets getting yeah. her transferred back here. Yeah. Just lack of care and nobody seems to want to help. And it's definitely put me off having kids again. Yeah. But I've ended up making an agreement with our hospital. If I ever get pregnant again, everything's to be done back down in Wellington. Because, yeah, it's not worth it. I've had quite a few parents or mums who have, not particularly Wellington and Masterton, but who have gone from a NICU to a SCABU and they feel exactly the same way. Like that NICU was amazing and you get all this, Mm -hmm. like, you know, round-the-clock care and it's not just like the care of the baby it's like the the emotional yeah. care they check in on you they make sure the parent is okay and then they go to skibu and it's kind of just like you're shoved in a corner in yeah. a room sorted out you know yeah. and I, I suppose it's not intentional is it like they're not gonna yeah. do it but it's just the way it is and it's yeah disappointing and it sucks yeah because we got her transferred back here because the traveling of going back and forth to wellington and I wasn't getting an income and we were purely living off my partners and he had just started a new job. So he didn't have holiday pay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, one day they called us up and they said, we've got an ambulance coming to town. Would you like Sienna brought home? And so we just jumped at the chance and we went for a tour of Skibu to see if, you know, it was up to our standards, but it all just seemed like a, like at the time it seemed really good. Yeah. But it was like what they wanted us to see. Yeah. And then, yeah, when we got there, it was just coming and going as we pleased and then put into rooming in. And I just refused to. I did not want to stay at the hospital. I was sick of hospitals Mm -hmm. and the alarms and the beeping noises was just triggering my anxiety. Yeah. And then I thought, well, the sooner it's done, the sooner she can come home. Mm -hmm. But I said... I will only stay on the agreement that my partner stays. Otherwise, I'm out. And so we were there for about three and a half weeks. Got no help. I wanted to try breastfeeding. And I asked one of the nurses for help. She's like, yep, just get yourself ready. Never came back and helped me. And so I'm trying to do this on my own. And my partner's trying to help. But we had no idea what we were actually doing. Yeah. Um. So I never got the chance to try and breastfeed and then I lost all my supply because of trauma and stress and whatnot. And there was one day, one thing that really annoyed me, we have next to no experience with newborns. My partner's got a couple nephews and that's about it. But we asked one of the nurses, how do you burp a baby? We didn't know the techniques, nothing. And she turned around and said, look it up on YouTube. And that's when I said to my partner, we're getting out of here. Because if you're going to tell me to look it up on YouTube, I'll just go home and do that if you're not going to be any help. This is your job. It's going to take you two Mm. minutes to come and help a new young parent who's just been through all this horrific trauma. Plus, you've got a a seven-week prem baby. You're just asking for advice. Why do you have to be a bitch? Exactly. But we were just like, if you're going to tell us to look it up, I'll go home and look it up there saying is you're not going to provide any help and yeah that's when I went to one of the 
higher up people and said, I'm self-discharging, we're going ASAP. And they said, stay one more night, we'll get the paediatrician in, give you the all clear. So I said, okay, I'll do that. I'm gone first thing in the morning. Mm. Came to the morning and the paediatrician was meant to come at like eight or nine. Never showed up. No, they never do. No. And we were just getting like onto the nurses saying, where is this doctor? We want to go. Oh, we can't find her. We can't get a hold of her. And I'm like, I'm not staying any longer. I don't know what they do. Like, I know that they're doctors and they're important and they're busy. But have you ever sat in the ER and you're like sitting in a bed waiting and they're all just like sitting? You're like, bro. They're talking or. What are you doing? Yeah. There are people here. I know they're busy and like I respect them 100% you know like oh yeah they're amazing but I don't know why they take so long Mm. and like I get that they're overworked underpaid but that's not our fault yeah like we're going to you for the help because you're trained in that area otherwise we're going to go to good old google and stress ourselves out but (laughs) dr google (laughs) but um yeah so she never showed up at that time. She finally came and said, no, I need you to stay for one more night. Like, this isn't going right and this isn't going right. And I was like, I was just ready to punch someone. Mm. So we stayed one more night. Okay, I'll be in at this time. Of course, didn't come at that time. And I was just like to my partner, go and get the capsule. Like, yeah. we are walking out of this place. Sienna was fine. We had to prove that she could drink a certain amount of milk she would prove it and they'd be like nope she needs to drink more and it's like do you know what's really messed up about that is like when you're leaving NICU you have to jump through all these hoops and you have to like sign all these forms and you have to be like yep the baby can sit in the car seat yep you know they have gained this amount of weight when I had my singleton he was full term but I just walked out with him the yeah. doctor came and discharged me and was like are you all good like any issues and I was like no nah, no nah, we're sweet and he's like sweet you can go and then he came back he was like oh and the baby is the baby okay yeah I was like yep and he was like okay see ya and we were like we me and my husband were like so we can just take him like no one's yeah. gonna look. no one looked at him huh. I could have not fed him all day and wouldn't <laughs> know like yeah for Nikki you have to like you've got to sign off on everything and you gotta mm. you know they have to weigh this much and they have yeah. to drink this much why for what yeah. if you're not going to do that for a full-term baby why do I have to jump through all these hopes exactly for my NICU baby yeah because we thought it was more of a they didn't believe we could be parents mm. and even like a few months later when I'd go back to the peds ward one of the nurses made a comment to my mum about how she was a bit weary about us going home and it's like so you kept us there because, because of your you didn't believe in us yeah because I was 19 and my partner was 25. I know that there's a whole like TV show called 16 and Pregnant, right? Yeah. All these 16 year olds are having babies. <laughs> like, I think you can handle it. Yeah. Like just because I am young doesn't mean I'm going to be a shitty parent. Yeah. And especially since I lost my daughter, I want to give everything to Sienna. Mm. But yeah, the hospital was just ridiculous do you make any complaints about the treatment that you guys had or didn't have we we did have meetings with them and we were meant to you know complain to the um, midwife college and all that kind of stuff but I'm still waiting on the um, paperwork from Wellington that says 
Um, the hospital did not send any of my notes. They had no record I was being flown over. They, the midwives were reading my medical records off my phone. That's okay. how bad it was. Yeah, on that manage my health and the midwife thingy. Yeah. They were reading my notes off of that. They had nothing to say I was coming. That's horrific. But yeah, we had a few meetings with the hospital. And one day I ran into my midwife. And when we weren't in Skaboo with our daughter, she kept trying to come in to see her. Mm. And I said to the nurses, do not let her anywhere near my daughter. Yeah. What is because she? she's she's not entitled to yeah and because when she found out my daughter died it was all these messages oh I'm so sorry condolences blah 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 and I was just ignoring it all and one day I went if you had helped me a month ago we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be in this situation Mm. and then yeah one day I went to visit my daughter and I ran into my midwife and she comes and gives me a hug and says sorry and all this crap and I just went off at her and I caused this massive scene in the hospital and I ran into the unit just crying my eyes out and her face just dropped and she I think she realized yeah I mucked up yeah and yeah she like she even made comments um saying to me oh I don't know why I get paid to see you because I don't even see you and she even made a comment to mum saying... That, is that not her responsibility to make sure that you are being seen by her? Well, you'd think so. But she even made a comment to mum saying, oh, I feel bad. I never saw Riley. But if it wasn't for her backup midwife, like, her backup was so amazing. Mm-hmm. And because my partner also knows her, and I gave her, like, the best kind of review when after you give birth and yeah I just could not fault her at all and she ended up doing my postnatal cares because I was like no I don't trust anyone else yeah but yeah and then even a month or two ago my obstetrician who failed me rings me and she was told she was not allowed to be in contact with me because I threatened to punch her one day. I told one of the maternity managers, if I see her, I'm going to punch her. So she wasn't allowed anything to do with me. And she rings me and goes, we need to have a meeting. You need to stop being angry. Like these things happen. Like just trying to excuse what she did. Negate what she didn't didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just hassling me. We need to have this meeting. Like, this happens every day, you're not the only one. But then after me telling people what had actually happened, I've heard a lot more stories about this obstetrician. And yeah, it's just not good things at all. So, Well, hopefully you do get somewhere with complaints because that shouldn't have to happen to someone else. It shouldn't have happened to you. Yeah. Frankly. Um, Yeah, it's just... Like I say, it was your it was your daughter that was the risk at the end of the yeah. day. It's not fair that they did risk her. Yeah. It wasn't fair to her. Yeah. Partner. And because the complaint can take up to five years. Yeah. But you don't get compensated or they don't lose their job. It's a slap on the wrist and a written apology. Mm. So it's like, And it'll be generic, quite a generic yeah. written apology. That's and it's just like, what is the point? Yeah. 
but I mean I want to do it for my daughter but I mean if nothing actually happens to them mm. what's the point it's just going to keep happening yeah how is Sienna doing anyway is she she is doing amazing she is just the easiest baby ever she she probably sleeps. feels bad <laughs> like mum went through all this shit I've got to be an angel yes. <laughs> she sleeps 12 hours every night doesn't wake up she has just learnt to roll over she's nearly eight months she is a bit on the slower side with hitting her milestones but that's to be expected but she doesn't stop bloody rolling now and it's <laughs> once they start I... oh <laughs> it's so frustrating but the best age I reckon the best age is around six months like when yeah. they when they can like smile and laugh and like yeah. their toys but they don't move yeah I would put her down and I'd walk into the kitchen but now it's like I walked back from the kitchen the other day she had rolled into her bouncer and was all caught up in it. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot you can roll now. <laughs> when my twins were probably about the same age, one, I like put them on the couch. They'd just learned to roll. So I put one on the couch and he rolled off onto yeah. the floor. And I was like, shit, like I've messed up here. <laughs> the next day or a couple of days later, I did, the, did it to the other one. But I was like, I'll put pillows put pillows there so we can't roll off he rolled over the pillows and whacked his head on the coffee table <laughs> they both done it and the second one I tried to prevent it got worse <laughs> then the third child is just the forgotten one I'm just like yes. where's Angus gone oh he's in the bathroom yeah playing with deodorant <laughs> Um, well, I'm so glad that everything is going well with Sienna. And like I say, I'm so sorry that you had to go through everything you went through and that you you lost Hazel through no fault of your own. Yeah. It was absolutely not you yeah. or your body's fault. It was unfortunately the system that let you down and yes. she suffered the consequences. But yeah. yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm really hopeful that other people will find it I don't, I don't want to say inspiring because your daughter died, but will allow them to feel like they can stick up for themselves and yeah. to know that they can stick up for themselves. And it's just knowing about motherly instincts. If you think something is wrong, push for it. Because even though you haven't had your kids, as soon as you're pregnant, you're a mother. Yeah. You Your body knows. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't push hard enough because I didn't know any better. And yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that's um, it's a very common theme with first-time parents because you just don't know, and it's not until yeah. you have subsequent babies or after you've had your babies yeah. that you're like, oh my god, that was a messed up and not yeah. right. But no one tells you that. Yeah. Even things yeah. like birthing your baby, no one tells you how to do that. You got to. Well, I didn't even realize how painful a C-section would be. Like I used to think you get sliced open, sweet as. Yeah. But- you can't fart, you can't poo, you can't sneeze, <laughs> nothing. It is horrible. <laughs> if you do not have a baby and you go on to have a full-term baby, your world is going to get turned on your head again because, man, there's oh, so much stuff oh that you don't go through with a NICU baby. Like when the twins had their meconium poos, I never dealt with any of that. Nurses yeah. did it. Angus did it, and I was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> We don't get taught energy. <laughs> when a cord came off, like the, the belly button yeah. cord, and I, I like looked at it and I was like, oh my God, that's so infected. I was like, that's not right. Send a picture to my midwife and she's like, no, that's just <laughs> look. 
<laughs> don't know. I didn't do that with the. With yeah, because you don't do nappy changes or bottles or anything. It's just all taken care of. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> it's very tricky to learn. <laughs> it is. It but is. yeah, especially with no help. But yeah, we got there in the end. You did. And I'm sure you're going to keep going. You got no choice, really, do you? But yeah, no. <laughs> you got to do it. You'll, you'll get there. Yeah, I got to do it. <laughs> but right. no, I love it. Love being a mom. It's the best thing. It is. It's That's so cool. Fucking hard. And I complain <laughs> all the time, yeah. but I love my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like constantly. Every morning I'm like, man, fuck these fucking kids. Go to bed at night and I'm like, thank God. And then like, they're asleep. And I'm like, I love them so much, those little angels. I mean, I can't really complain because my daughter is just, she never cries. She's only had about three, three, three massive meltdowns and that's. It. like she is the happiest baby you'll ever meet and yeah. everywhere we go it's oh your baby's so cute and makes me quite happy because I yeah, don't think she is yeah, quite cute like that too he's such a chill dude and I was like he has to be though because his other brothers and mental yeah it makes you think oh is their dad their actual dad well like oh, no yeah like did they get did he get swapped at birth <laughs> are you sure Angus is my kid and my midwife was like no, he was definitely yours because he didn't leave yours or your husband's sight. She said it's the twins that you have to be wary of <laughs> without you. So who knows what happens? Uh, All right. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks um, for having it was, me. It was so lovely talking to you. And yes, I'm so glad too. that you guys are all doing well. And yeah, yeah hopefully Hazel's memory will stay alive with people oh definitely <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> so that was Riley's story with her twins um Sienna and Hazel um incredibly brave of her to to share with us what she went through um with losing Hazel and yeah uh very disappointing to hear how let down she was and how ignored she was and I think a lot of it would have had to do with the fact that she was quite young but what really should that have to do with anything she's still a parent um and like I said unfortunately they were willing to take the risk and not listen to her and the risk ended up being her daughter's life which is incredibly heartbreaking but um yeah again a huge thank you to Riley um for, for talking with us and for, for sharing Hazel with us and obviously Sienna and yeah I hope you guys I'm not going to say enjoyed because it was a pretty pretty tough one but um you know resonated with this episode and found it enlightening and enlightening not enlightening find it enlightening I can't talk <laughs> it's been a while since I've done this I'm gonna stop talking now I will chat to you guys again soon bye